Now, live from the Blind Ninja Studios in Western Wisconsin, a show with no purpose. Hosted by experts at drinking, and they're almost definitely wearing pants. It's time for the Department of Offense. Welcome to episode 386 of the Department of Defense. I'm your host, Casey. Joining me as always is Carlos. Yeah, I'm here. And the ghost of shows past, they haunt me. Yeah, they do. They do. They don't haunt you? Do you you hear the change in the middle of the night from the ghosts of uh, shows past? I do. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, Jacob Marley. He's all he's all up on that for yes, me. Yes, yes. It's it's the ghosts that are, that's where that change sound is coming from. It's not anything else. What what else would the chain sound sound be coming from? Well, it's, I, I don't use chains for anything. I don't keep anybody captive or anything like that. Or uh, Carlos, that's... raise a bunch of uh, uh, mutant monsters in the attic or anything like that. Carlos, um, I'm getting a little worried right now. Well, I'm not doing those things though, so you don't you shouldn't worry. What? Uh, oh wait, I should worry or shouldn't worry? Should not worry. But I feel like I should be worried. Well, I mean, if you want to worry over every possibility that a, a one of those monsters might escape from their chains in the middle of the night, and uh, you never—I well, mean, no, what, no, what, what, what? But you shouldn't worry about that, though. But now I'm worried. Well, it's not a thing to worry about. Well, so good thing we saying. can just move on and uh, do some announcements yeah. instead. Should we do that instead yeah. of me trying to figure out what you're actually talking yeah, about? Exactly. All right, let's do that. Um, I want to give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornsson, Hoffman Barrel Brewing, Brian Jones, Devin Sisson, and Phil Feldman. If they can be a patron, head over to patreon.com slash and become a patron today. Carlos, you were telling me something about our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons. What was that? So you know that uh, that classic adage, uh, can God make a sandwich so big that even he can't eat it? Well, our, I actually don't know if I know that adage. You haven't heard that one? It's a classic one. It's um, like, what kind of sandwich? It doesn't matter. It's a big one. I mean, it definitely matters. And the question is, can he eat it then if it's too big, right? Like, so, I mean, if it's a peanut butter sandwich, I mean, it really depends on... Does he, he have, have does he have a big enough like <laughs> glass of milk? Like I mean, it, the type of sandwich matters. Well, it's 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 a thing about omnipotence, and basically, what our listeners are our Patreon, uh, especially our black belt patrons, are doing is that what they're trying to do is tr- they're trying to see if they can make a beer large enough that they can't drink it. My God! Yeah. So they like I I thought this is ridiculous. Like they're not they're gonna get like uh they'll like yeah they they'll, they'll tap a keg and then like oh, that'll be good. But uh, no uh, they they are they have uh, they've moved up to each of them are able to drain a uh, regular sized swimming pool of beer so far. Man, they were so busy asking if they could, <laughs> they didn't stop and ask if they should. They did not. Oh my god! So they have yet to find the upper limit. It turns out that it's hard to like store massive amounts of beer in anything besides like a regular size swimming pool. Any larger, and you you actually like the carbonation get like it takes time to drink it. So the carbonation is like starting to go away by if they go with a larger swimming pool. So so they're essentially just Dionysus now. It's like they're still working on it. Like okay. maybe maybe they'll find something like because that's the goal is like they're. They're not worried about like having come across a beer that is too large for them to drink. It's too much because that's a victory, really. Yeah, yeah. Right now they're just trying to find the upper limit. Yeah. Well, if you'd like to help with this uh, very important research, uh, head over to Patreon.com/slash/BlindNinjaStudios and become a patron today. All right, man, Carlos. 
like, I mean, I'm almost afraid after that after that intro that you gave. Like, I'm I'm almost afraid to ask this question. But what have you been up to the, for the past week? Um, I haven't been up to too much. I started diving back into Cataclysm: Dark Days Ahead, which is the uh, uh, roguelike post-apocalypse uh, survival game. Okay, simulation. Where you have to worry about food and temperature and trying to protect yourself from getting eaten by zombies and mm-hmm. uh, getting infected by them. And uh, I started, I, I, I'm trying to do this like start where I start at the bottom of a lab and try to escape from there. And like, I'm not an experienced player of the game, but I found out pretty quickly that I can't start off like, because like it's, uh, you start the game off like uh, you create a character through point by. I was taking traits like, all right, I want more points. So I'll like, I'll start off weak and stuff like that, like like temporary stuff that like I can build up if I eat enough food and things like that. Mm-hmm. It turns out that the start I'm going with has a uh, a big old tough zombie right away, and uh, oh, so my st- so, and he's way faster than me if I am uh, suffering from malnutrition. <laughs> so that's I got he I've gotten booted against walls like in other room, getting knocked back into rooms and and like dying multiple times because that you way. didn't eat your Wheaties. Yeah, and then so I changed that up, removed that. All right, I'm no longer going to be suffering from mal- malnutrition. That's good. And I like, so you 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 ate something. Yeah, so like I'm starting in like this like a this lab like because I'm started as like a lab subject, so I have a couple mutations like heal, faster healing stuff like that. Smash the bed because I smash. You know, I want to smash my bed in the room so that I can then get some nails and some wood, and I can make a put some nails in a, a plank of wood. So it turns out I can succeed at that fifty percent of the time before like the zombie actually finds me and then slams me against the wall or something like. That. Have you tried talking to the zombie? It does not. It not succeeded. Uh, I there's some uh, like I can every once in a while though I can hear the Mego. Uh, I don't know if you if you remember that uh, specific Lovecraft monster, but they appear, there's a Mego. There's Migos in there. Why? Because they're usually they're locked up in the lab. They're not going to escape and kill me, but uh, unless I do something dumb. But I, I yeah, it's, I've been having fun with it. All I'm right. Probably going to change to an easier start location. I think. All right. That sounds fun. Anything else? Nope, not really. Oh, man, what have I been up to this week? I feel like it's been a big week. I don't, um, let's see, I talked about hitting a deer last week. Um, so I, I handled some of that situation. Trying to buy a car in this market is dumb. Um, so that's, that's uh, kind of where most of my week was spent. Um, and then this weekend was the Bluegrass uh, Festival in town. Uh, so Friday night, um, I went over to, or I went over to help our friends at the garage uh, pour beer at a, um, at like a beer tasting. And so that was a lot of fun. Got to see um, the Pitchfork guys and a few other folks that we knew. And uh, yeah, so that was, that was that night. And then yesterday, just kind of hung out and bummed around a bit. Went out to Oliphant and then hit the garage while a giant storm kind of rolled in. And yeah. Um, yeah, and then today was just kind of a chill day. Uh, played uh, played some Zelda and uh, watched uh, watched Castle. Sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of a it's been kind of just like a boring like boring week, but you know, it's uh, I I needed it. I needed kind of I I need a chill week, and I don't know if this week is gonna be it. Um, it's just yeah, after the whole deer thing, it's just been kind of crazy yeah. and. All over the place, but we're gonna dive right in because uh, I mean I don't really have anything. Yeah, else to you're talk right. About. We are gonna dive right in. We're gonna dive right into Carlos's car corner. 
That's right, guys. It's the show within the show where we talk cars. Now, I know you've, uh, I'm sure everybody has been looking forward to listening to one of these for nobody a while. Nobody wants we've, this. We've been, uh, it's probably been a couple of months since we've done a Carlos's Literally Car nobody Corner. has ever asked. Uh, but I'm I'm your host of Carlos's Car Corner, Carlos. We get the opposite in our feedback. And uh, I do not have a co-host on Carlos's Car Corner. It's just me talking about the cars. And we're going to be talking about what you can do to prevent deer from destroying your car. Now... My my preferred uh, like I had talked with this uh, with uh, Casey the co-host uh, uh, the host of uh, Department of Defense you might be familiar with them uh, we talked about fuck you <laughs> we talked about uh, like you could put like one of those uh, put like one of the front of the, those things on the front of the train put the, that on the front of your car I'm a little the cow catcher yeah yeah, yeah like, thank you like the cow catcher <laughs> you could put a cow, a cow catcher on the front of your car and that might help you um, but there's some issues like visibility, uh, the fact that you're going to have a lot of weight in the front of your car, you're going to need something in the back of your car, you're going to need a lot of bigs of sand in your trunk. And, uh, you know, sometimes that might just launch that deer right into your screen. So I thought about it, and I think the best way to do this is that, and your, your car already is designed to make things spin, specifically your wheels, so why not make it have one more thing spin? That's, I'm thinking... Uh, like a bar that, like a spiked bar that spins at the front of your car, and it spins. So if you hit something, the spiked bar is going to launch stuff upward. So it, the goal of this is, you hit a deer, it's going to launch that deer over your car, like maybe fifteen feet up in the air. As you're depending, I know, like the faster you go, the faster it spins. Of course, I have, I have, I have so many questions. Well, uh, you can save those for the the later in the segment when I'll accept phone calls. I don't I'm, I'm not going to call in. I'm just going to like throw questions out here because this like all so right. this sounds absurd. One. Um, all right. So what? Ha- so is it just constantly spinning? Yeah. Like while you're driving? Because you, you never like the point of you know, the deer is coming and you have right. to take time. So to turn it's, it on. It, so it's too late. what if uh, what if the deer gets stuck in the tines and you fling it into your windshield? Uh, well, maybe you just got, maybe instead of making it spiky, you make it not spiky. So how does it catch the deer? So they're prongs. They're, they're just like big old prongs sticking okay, out. They aren't sharp. But if you if you hit the deer at 70 miles an hour, so the front of my car was not sharp, but I oh, still stabbed the deer. But you see, the wheel is spinning faster than 70 miles an hour. The, 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 the front spinny thing. Yeah. So it'll be spinning faster than it'll be shoving into the deer. So that means it's going to be launched because the faster your car is going, the faster this thing's going to be okay. spinning, and it's going to be always be spinning faster than your car. Okay. Um, what about the people behind you? Like when you fling this this deer up into the air? Well, I think they're going to need a like if people behind you are going to need a different thing attached to their car to protect okay. them from yep. falling down deer. All right. And um, now, just hypothetically, yeah, you're driving along with your deer spinner, yeah, and. You rear end somebody. Patented deer spinner. It's patented deer spinner. And you rear end another vehicle. Now, it really depends on what kind of engine you're rocking on your car. Like, how str- how strong is it? Like, how much torque is it putting out? Like, are you going to be able to, like, if you got a big old truck and you got, a, like, this industrial-sized deer spinner on the front of your car and you hit a car in front of you, 
you might send that car flying over you. You never know. So you're gonna like it's it like it's a guaranteed fatality if you run into another car. Why would it be it. guaranteed? Like people don't sit in their trunks when they and like they get launched upwards and like people fall further than 15 feet and survive all the time. Not not all the time. Oh, they got some. Pa- there's some cushioning I, after, after being like after going at a speed and then being flipped in another direction. Oh, they're getting flipped in like one direction over you. Well, no, but they so they were going they were going Y, and now they suddenly are going X. Yeah, I I feel like there's something about uh, laws of inertia that have that have a problem with this for the for the meat bags inside. Well, I don't know. Like, maybe as long as they follow the laws of inertia, I think they're not going to get in trouble. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, do, you, do you have any, well? Do you have any suggestions for uh, deer proofing a vehicle? Yes, we murder all the deer. That's a good solution. I think I think it's the perfect solution. And it's not as elegant as a deer spinner at the front of your car. I think it's way more elegant, actually. It's not as practical as a deer spinner. Yep. Uh, or uh, big cages over over roads. All right. Right? So the deer can't get in? What if we cloned Nicolas Cage and just had an army of Nicolas Cage's gar- just patrolling the sides of the highways? I honestly can't see why that wouldn't work. Like, it's it's useful for so many things. Yeah, we could get so many more Nicolas Cage movies. Yeah. Do they do they all uh, practice uh, Shamanic Nouveau acting? Oh, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> And if they don't, that clone is then put down because, like, it's, it's a defective clone. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sure about this whole like deer spinner thing, man. I just don't, I don't. Well, it's a pretty great idea, and I'm glad that uh, the amazing right. inventor of it, Carlos, uh, who also hosts the Carlos's Car Corner, uh, came up with it and shared it with the world. Yeah. So speaking of Carlos's Car Corner, and we're gonna pull, and we it's time for. I think this has been a great episode. Well, no, I, I had a question car. about your blinker. Oh, yeah. How's your How's your blinker repair going? Well, you know, the weather's got to be just right. The moon's got to be in the right phase. I got to make sure that uh, Jupiter's not receding. Things like that. I got to make sure all the stars are aligned. Before I can put that front right blinker in. Okay. I was just just curious. That's how it works. Well, this has been Carlos's Car Corner. We return you back to your regular programming. (laughs) The next quarter mile. This is your regular programming, I guess. <laughs> this is your regular programming. We're now in the next quarter mile where we are going to start with plot in 60 seconds, where I will go through the plot so far in 60 seconds. Well, we but, are, but, we've but, just well, finished. Oh, I'm going to need the stopwatch, but yes, yeah, uh, we, we have, what, we have, is, the, what is the, uh, I'm, I'm, the next quarter mile? I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, gonna, I'm oh, getting okay. to that. If you would let me, well, I'll, I'll let you get to if it. If you let me finish. Thanks, Carlos. Like. Um, yeah, so next quarter mile is where we watch a quarter of a Fast and Furious movie every week. And like I said, plot in 60 seconds is I am going to talk about the plot so far um, in 60 seconds or less. However, we are now doing six full movies. That means I have 10 seconds, give or take, per movie. And boy, howdy, is it getting tough. <laughs> yeah, because um, we wrapped up Fast and Furious 6 today, so here we go. Yeah, all right. <clears throat> Let me get my bell ready. Let me, uh, let me, like, compose, grab a little, uh, wet, whistle wetter. 
All right, are you ready? Uh, yeah, I did not forget how this thing works. Okay, I'm gonna, well, while you're doing that, uh, yeah, so we've just finished uh, six, so next week we will be starting Fast 7. Very exciting. Is that what it's called? Fast 7? Yep. Okay, it's not, doesn't have some other title in there? It might just be Fast and Furious 7, but I, um, I think it's just Fast 7. All right. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. Tuna fish, Brian races Dom and almost blows up his car. Dom accepts him and offers him a Corona. TFB bangs his way into the gang through Mia. Mia gives up Dom and friends so Cop Brian can go bust Dom. CB lets Dom escape. Too fast for back. We no longer Cop Brian. FBI recruits him and Roman. There's a forgettable villain. Brian and Roman steal some money. Dumbass Sean gets shipped to Tokyo. He makes a friend, meets Han, destroys Han's car. Han eats some snacks and is murdered. Sean beats DK in a mountaintop race. Dom shows up at the end. Back in time to the DR. Dom and fam... Are heisting. Letty dies. Dom returns. Brian is back and Mia's mad. They race Braga through a mountain. Dom goes to prison. Dom is out of prison. In Rio, they meet up with Vince for a job. It goes bad. Reyes is pissed. The Rock shows up. The fam assembles. Hobbs switches sides. The fam drags the vault through Rio, killing so many people. Hobbs lets the fam escape. Uh, Letty lives. Hobbs recruits the fam to hunt down Shaw and Letty in London. Uh, Shaw's gang narrowly escapes. Letty shoots Dom. Twist. She has amnesia. Letty and Dom race. Nothing changes. The tank tears through Spain. Shaw is caught. All according to plan. Letty's back with the fam. Mia shows up and they chase. Shaw down the runway, Giselle dies, Han only cares the family gets amnesty. Well, you got five seconds. Okay, only Han cares, yeah. Yeah, that Fast Furious 6, like, ate up a lot of your time. Well, I, I stumbled through it because I haven't, like, yeah. I practiced it a few times. There's a little bit of stumbling there. Uh, a lot of S's. Yeah. All right, so let me see. I got the 10 second car where it, I'm just, I, it's just equally as hard as it is. the plan 60 seconds. It's where I describe the core of the movie that we just saw in 10 words. So here we go Finn and Hobbs, double team Shaw. The crew gets amnesty. Who and Vin? Uh, I, oh, okay, Vin. Okay, all right. Uh, it should be Dom. No, 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 no. I, I, I thought like you said Finn, and I'm like, who the fuck is Finn? No, it, it's, it, I should have said Don. I, the problem is, like, Vin Diesel is just playing himself in every movie he's in. He doesn't do, he, like, he doesn't exactly uh, play a role. He plays a role as well as The Rock does. Well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> well, I feel The Rock has a scale, at least, of, like, how where he's going to dial it in for a movie. Dom... D- <laughs> uh, well, this time we're talking about Vin Diesel, not Dom. He does not have a scale. Well, so I, I don't, I don't know if that's fair. Uh, if you look at some of his earlier movies before he's before like the this franchise became such a franchise, he definitely had more range. But now he's just playing this what, character. What? What movies? Like you? the Pacifier. He wasn't just playing Vin Diesel. Oh, okay. I never saw the Pacifier. Uh, Riddick it was different than uh, his character from Triple X and this one. That's a he wore glasses. Lie. He wore that glasses. Is, that is a complete lie. Uh huh. He wore glasses in that. He just wanted. A, he, or I guess they're goggles. He was wearing goggles. Yeah, that was the only difference. Like that's not a an acting. Uh, his uh, his character in Saving Private Ryan completely different. I never saw that movie. How have you never seen Saving Private Ryan? I've seen the the beach scene, but like yeah, I don't know. It's a who can sit around for multiple hours to watch? Yeah, like, a I, I, film. I feel like I feel like you're you're selling um, Vin Diesel short. Do you know I only watch movies a quarter movie uh, at a time. Groot completely different. <laughs> it's just it's just him saying Groot. Uh, and I and am. Jeez, you you just like undercut uh, two thirds of his acting right there. 
it's it's just really. And then one time he says we. I mean, the animation is kind of is great, like for a group, but like it's it's him doing the voicing. Like he's not on set doing this stuff. I just I, I feel like you're not giving him enough enough credit. Do you think maybe he has two gears then? Maybe let's give him that. Just give him. He has two gears of acting he can do. I think he has at least three. He has three gears. All right. Yeah. I mean, probably probably more than that. It, I mean, he's like he shifts a lot. In these movies, and I feel like each one is different. I'm gonna say he has the uh, the big old triple X gear is this high gear, and for the low gear, he's got the very few words gear, the man of few words gear. Okay. And have- then everything in between. Well, it's only got it, two it, gears. It's, there's a whole range in between there. There's there's so many ranges, so many so many sub gears in there. No, they. I, yeah. I feel like they can fall between each either of those gear depending on how much. No, because you you on. haven't even seen half of his movies. All right, all right. So, but you're like saying, you're just, you're like you're yeah. What was you, you said? You give him three gears. What what three gears would you give him? The one where he's in the middle of it all and just being amazing. All right, that's one gear. No, that's 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 a spectrum of gears. <laughs> that's you can't do. It's that. a spectrum of gears. That's just, you said it's the one of him in the middle. So this yeah. has got to be the middle gear. Yeah, it's the it, but it's a spectrum of gears. It's the one that it's the, it's the gear that you in that you're in when you hit the D on the car. That's all the gears. <laughs> so you're saying you're you're. It sounds like it's a one gear for you. Uh no, it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum of diesel. All right. Well, we should probably talk about the actual movie. <laughs> I think you're probably right. All right. So um, before we get into the review of the movie, there is some very big breaking news that was just announced this week. It's very exciting. The next Fast and the Furious movie has a title, and it's disappointing as fuck. Or is it? It is. It's, it's, it's Fast 10. Well... It's not. They're using the, ru- the numeral X. Yeah, which fast is X. ten. It's fast ten. But they might. You might be calling it fast X though. It depends on how they say it. Like how they're selling the movie, they might be calling it fast X. Why would they do that? Because calling it saying fast ten is one thing, but saying fast X, you got the X factor in there. You got the nineties. You bring the nineties in. Make no, it extreme. It, I'm pretty sure it's just it's it's just fast ten. Make it extra cool. Is it Fast 10 or Fast X? <laughs> it's going to say Fast X. Um, let's see. It was up, uh, it was up to the PR man- manager, um, who usually uh, prefers to be known as Vin Diesel. Um, the new Fast film is called... God damn it. <laughs> but you know what this really means, though? This is now a crossover with Triple X. We're going to see him come back with Xander Cage. Xander Cage is going to be in the new f- movie. However, Vin Diesel is also still going to be playing Dom. That's right. I think he's going to be playing two different roles in this film. And it's actually going to be set up to... Uh, Ooh, more, uh, more things. Oh, yeah? More things. Jason Momoa will be playing a new villain. Yeah. Is very exciting. That had not been announced yet. Well, they're setting up for the new Fast movie where they're going to be using time travel called Fast 117. 
or I'm sorry, Fast 7-Eleven. Because oh. they're going to be traveling back to the seventh movie, which I haven't seen yet, but I can only assume they have to use time travel to fix something that happened in Fast 7. Now, you might be wondering, why would they why would they ramp up to time travel? Well, because it's really just doing this because in Fast X, they got Xander Cage from Triple X. But they got to have time travel to go to the future so they can get uh, his character, uh, Riddick. That's right. He's going to be playing three roles in the 11th movie. You heard it here first. Do they open up a portal and we get Groot? No, it's not going to use portals. That's dumb. They're going to use a car that has to go fast. But through a portal. (laughs) There's no portal. It goes fast, and it goes fast enough that it goes back in time and forward in time. Because that hasn't been done yet. You're right. It hasn't. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I heard it here first, though. That's going to happen. We, we, did, we did hear it from you <laughs> that you think that's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go uh, more conservatively and say, well, honestly, I can't. Like, you're probably right. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly very curious to see what's going to be retconned in, uh, in, Fast, uh, in Fast X. Where in the franchise does Hobbs and Shaw fall? Um, I believe that is between... Eight and nine? Uh, no, between uh, seven and eight. All right. I believe. Uh, I'd, I'd have to double check, but I think, I think it's between seven and eight. Because that's gonna, It could be between eight and nine, but I'm almost positive it's between seven and eight. Hobbs and Shaw is going to make this even difficult to do the uh, the plot in sixty seconds. So, well, we we have we have to. That's that's something that we actually have to discuss, and we can have that discussion now. But do we do the spinoff films as main films? Well, I mean, are there other spinoff films? They're talking about doing more. Like, the, there's going to be, like, a lady film. Like, I think we should talk about them, but I don't think they should be... In the minute? In the minute, because, like, that's, like, it's the main franchises See, in the, the minute. The hard thing about that, though, is that and they, and they, Tokyo and they, Drift kind of started off as, like, a side film. But they brought they, it in as a primary, yeah, right? Yeah, they brought it in. Um, Hobbs and Shaw, they're not going to bring in as a primary. Like, that's that's its own standalone thing that doesn't involve the family at all. Mm-hmm. It just involves those two spinoff characters. So, but they only brought it in because they they already called it Fast the Fast and Furious Four. The Fast, no, the fourth one was Fast the Fast and the Furious. Yep, fourth one was the Fast and the Furious. So it wasn't numbered. So there, until Fast Five, there they. Oh no 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 no. Uh, so so uh, yeah. So it's Fast and Furious, Fast and Furious, or Too Fast Too Furious, then Tokyo Fast and Furious, then the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Yeah. So until fast, they called it Fast Five, Fast Five, you could have counted Tokyo Drift as a side one until now it's now part of the regular chronology. Well, yeah, yeah. Once, once, yeah, but that's. Unless uh, they use time travel in the 11th movie to then go back and overwrite Tokyo Drift. Then we will have to use time travel and go back and <laughs> add it into the minute. <laughs> Right and until it's brought into the main franchise, I think it's left out of the minute. All right. But as soon as it's brought into the main franchise, then there's a retcon, and we have to add it into the minute. <laughs> All right, does it sound good? That sounds good. All right, <laughs> now let's talk about this film. So let's see, we le- we left off uh, in Fast and Furious. Yeah, let's 6. do some garage talk here. Uh, we left off where uh, we find out that Shaw has actually had Mia captured. And that means that and he's going to kill Mia if he doesn't get beat, if he isn't let go with the chip. 
But I mean, once he's let go, he's going to have Mia killed because she has no need to be alive anymore. Mm-hmm. Because- also, double agent reveal. Yeah, it was uh, uh, Gina. Gina as, uh, yeah, what's her face? Yeah. From Mandalorian. Yeah. So it turns out that she was uh, double oh. agent. So, and we also hear that, like, if they let them go, and, like, Hobbs is the one that, like, I, I was surprised, I was expecting uh, Dom to be the one that pulls a gun on the general. Yeah, Hobbs make, pulls the gun on the general. Hobbs pulls the gun, and that blew my mind. That's because he's family. Like, I was not expecting it to be Hobbs. <laughs> and, but, like, basically, he says, though, that uh, if they let those guys walk out of there, no amnesty or pardon deal. Uh, the words amnesty and pardon walk out with them. There's a lot of great, uh, great, terrible lines uh, in this like last quarter, like all of them. I think I think all of the spoken lines are fucking terrible. They are not great. Dom, Dom has some line about after hearing about the amnesty, like they weren't part of our vocabulary in the first place. No, or something. they went out the door the day we were born. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. No, it does not. So, uh, but Letty stays with them. Letty is on their team. Yeah, because she's she's she knows now. So the, the bad guys are getting away, and they got a jumbo jet coming in, but they can't make the call to try to kill Mia early. Yeah, because um, Tej uh, blocks all the radio signals, yeah. which may be a thing to do before. Also, Shaw, maybe like have some kind of like backup plan. So, so far, Shaw has been so far ahead of these guys, mm-hmm. like the entire way. Um, and now, like, revealed his mole for no reason. Yeah. Like, there was no reason to reveal the mole. Right. Right, like, and now lost his edge. You're right. Yeah, no, that's not helpful. Because if she stayed back, and like maybe did something, like took all the communications and then escaped or something like that. But no, it's just like she. Well, just also leaves. like nobody suspected her. Right. Like she could have just stayed, and now you have somebody still embedded. Like I, I, yeah, it the that that whole reveal was one dumb. And, like, from a writing standpoint and dumb from, like, a character standpoint. It just didn't make any sense to me. But then we get the, um, uh, what I like to call the endless runway. Yeah, no, this runway is ridiculously long. So this section of the movie was 32 minutes long. We watch uh, the the uh, runway, we hit the runway probably a minute in, maybe two minutes in. Like, it was pretty quick. Uh, I feel like it might have been four or five. Okay, it was pretty great. We are on this, uh, we're on the runway for essentially the rest of the film. Yeah, no, we're at least 20 minutes. Yep. At least 20 minutes. And is this like the big scene, the big race where it's cars versus plane? And oh boy, is it exciting. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that It's It's a really good set piece. Um, This movie... Like pound for pound so far, I think has had the best set pieces, or at least uh, more, or like the most densely like packed set pieces. Let's see. So like there, there's fighting uh, people in cars. Uh, Hobbs jumping onto like another car this time, and then onto a plane, <laughs> and then onto another car. Like uh, G- like Giselle says to Han, "This is who we are." And then dies. She, yeah, she dies like in this uh, section of the film. Uh, hot, like uh, we see. Let's see what else. Oh, we see the super F one. Only one of them. Like I was like, kind of let down. 
Like they, you really wanted those to come back. They were fine. And like it's like, well, this could have had like some crazy racing going on with these super F ones that like besides the like earlier on we saw like how the, they outclassed and like in this one only one of the super F ones is going around. Yeah, and then uh, but yeah, but they had figured out how to beat them. Yeah, like Brian took it out with a Kia or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, uh, remember. Um, few weeks ago when they had the um, the electronic things that they were shooting at cars to kill the engines. Yeah. Those never showed up again. No, they just had the harpoons without the electric. <laughs> well, so like they, they, they made a point to get cars that couldn't be taken out by the electronic thing, yeah. right? Um, but there was no point where they the bad guys learned that. They just stopped using them. But also, Gina was the mole, so I mean. Right. On the other hand, that. they all would have known. Yeah, there is that. Um, yeah, so that happens. Um, Mia's on the plane for some reason. Like, again, seems like a real dumb choice. Like, why didn't they just have her... And if they were going to kill her anyway, why didn't they just kill her there? Because I thought, like... And then lie. Because it's not like... It's not like Brian ever... Like, Brian and Dom ever talked to her. And, because I thought, like, well, they... Why would they bring her there? I thought that she was still on the island and they just had a gun pointed at her head. Yeah, it turns out that was a flashback. <laughs> yeah, no, she was... In the area. Granted, like, this entire thing took place, like, in, in under a week. It takes hours to get overseas. Yes. So you would have thought that maybe the other person who got left behind would have maybe put a call in, like, hey, Sophia got kidnapped. Yeah, yeah whole thing, whole thing. Um. Uh, so Dom does a, one of the, there's a lot of fighting in the middle of the jumbo jet. Uh, Dom does a flying headbutt that takes out two people. Flying headbutt to save Brian. <laughs> he, he headbutts the, the, like the big guy. The big guy goes flying through some wreckage. Like it takes out like uh, some crates and then hits the bad guy and to save Brian. It's just yep. ridiculous. And then and then uh, there's there's probably the best like physical uh, like hit in the in the in this scene when um, they're double teaming. Uh, Shaw, yeah, and like it's just fantastic. Well, it's like it, like it kind of pl- really plays because it's the it's a uh, Hobbs that lands it, and like it, it makes sense because like he's like uh he's got experience wrestling, so it's like Dom gets the the bad guy on his shoulder and like in a classic like sort of wrestling type move like uh, Hobbs just a jumping elbow to the face and like t- to take him out. Yeah, yeah, but uh, Giselle gets thrown from the car, and like as she jumps from, the, like falls from the she, car. She yeah, she throws herself from the car. Yeah, and uh, to shoot somebody to save Han. And I'm not sure if um, if Gal Gadot was just kind of done with the movies or what was going on there, because it's kind of it's kind of weird that that kills her. Yeah, it, it's it's strange. Or was that just like one way of making it like try to explain like why? Uh, uh, in Tokyo Drift, like Hans by himself, they they didn't want to have like some them splitting up for some reason, but they had to some have somehow get way to get Giselle out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And like without Han there, they maybe didn't see a reason to keep Giselle around too. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm uh, doing a quick like look up here. Um, she was introduced in the fourth film, Fast Five. Um, when did Wonder Woman come out? Because that would have also made her a lot more expensive. Yeah, yeah. I know she was she was already looking at um, why or looking for other stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but yeah, like a lot of these people have kind of gone. Um, so uh, 2013 was when this came out. All Six right. came out, I think. Um, 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, so like uh, the tr- the plane gets taken out, like but like uh, the bad guy also gets thrown from the back of the plane when Dom just drives yep. and smashes into something. Do you think he's dead? You know, if if Giselle died from the same thing that this guy just did, I would assume that he would be dead. Okay, but who knows? Like he could come back because it's off screen death. Like and that's like that's the thing with off screen death; they can always come back. This uh, this franchise loves off screen death. If somebody dies on screen, though, they're dead for sure. Like Han, Han's not coming back. He didn't die on screen. <laughs> right. He still, <laughs> he still didn't die on screen. <laughs> even uh, we'll get to it, but like <laughs> even the post credits. Uh, so like the planes burning down and the then planes burning crashed. down and like the weirdest the weirdest way that they handle this is like or well all right so then Vin Diesel drives, drives through the airplane and a little bit of like a shout out to earlier in the film when the tank went through the fucking semi yep like Dom does Dom this with a car with a car that he found I don't think you can do that and then the car like tumbles and explodes yeah um, and then Dom walks through the flames so they don't show it. But I'm pretty sure this is proof that uh, Dom is a liquid metal Terminator. Because, like, you just you keep mixing franchises. Because I've seen Terminator, the liquid metal Terminator ends up in the fire. He's metal. He reforms and he walks out of the fire. This is what happens. We just don't see the metal part. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. And either that or he has car superpowers still, but like he's not carrying a piece of the car with him. He's got a briefcase. I don't think briefcases are cars. Well, I mean, a briefcase can be an Iron Man suit, so why can't a briefcase be a car? I was so glad that they had the the, the Iron Man suit come out of a briefcase. <laughs> An Iron Man too. Like it's not a good movie, but no, I, it's not. Um, yeah. So that happens. Then Mia asks, uh, "Where's Giselle?" Um, and then Brian and Mia hug uh, Han, and there is no mention of her for the rest of the film. Yeah. Uh, we cut to, um, they have, uh, the old Toretto family home back in LA and they're, they're having the first cookout since the end of, uh, Fast and Furious. Yeah. People are saying they got, Han, like, they, they got Hans back, but like they're not mentioning Giselle at all. Yep. Yeah. And Han is off to Tokyo. Yeah. So, uh, this also means that we are now caught up with Tokyo Drift. So when and like so they're when they're doing the cookout though like it's got one of the uh, classic so there's a, a, a spit take in the movie that's a pretty pretty great where uh, Roman is making a because like Hobbs shows up he pulls in and he's walking into the uh, the cookout at the thirteen twenty seven residence and Ro- and Roman uh, says oh Mia hide your baby oil hey Roman hide your it makes a, something about his large forehead. And, yeah. like, and Tej just like sp- like has a spit take of just his beer, and uh, of course, always hungry Roman has to tell Grace because he eats first. He eats right? first. That's the rule. Always hungry Roman. That's it's crazy that they've. That's the one character that I feel has actually stayed the most consistent of throughout the entire franchise. Because like Dom is. I like, think I think Mia has stayed pretty consistent, and yeah, Letty has stayed pretty consistent. Well, I mean, I guess I guess for her flip, like yeah. right, um, but. Yeah, Roman, Roman definitely, Tej, I mean, Tej has always kind of been the, I guess they made him more techie. You made him, yeah. Yeah, so they kind of pulled that. Dom has changed quite a bit. 
Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, it's just like it's always just Roman. Just Roman. Roman's always gonna Roman. Sometimes he has money. Sometimes he doesn't. Right. That's that's really the only difference. He's just he's always eating. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but and then we get the uh, post credit sequence. Yeah, where uh, we see this other person. Like they don't say, call him Shaw yet. Yeah, yeah, they don't call him Shaw yet. But he, uh, it's uh, uh, Jason Statham. Yeah, Jason Statham like tosses, tosses a lighter at the wrecked uh, Han, and that goes up in flames. And he t- calls uh, Dom, to say like, "You don't know me, but you will," or something yeah. like that. So um, here's a like, and you're you're gonna see this next week. Um, but man, they're, they're, they're going to retcon that again. So just, just wait for it again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, cause I, and I, I could be wrong on this, but I'm almost positive that at the beginning of, uh, fast seven, um, he has a grenade launcher. So I think, <laughs> so you see, I'm right. <laughs> there are some time travel shenanigans going on with that part of the time. When Fast when Fast Eleven comes around, it's going to be going back in time to the seventh movie to save Han. Yeah. Oh, I like this. This is a good plan. Because like we like I I. It turns out spoilers. Han is Han is the real uh, the real hero of the story. Like I know from spoilers and because it was pretty big in the news that Han was going to be coming back anyway. Yeah, in uh, in, in uh, F nine. And like there's probably some throw like like I survived because of this. I survived because of that. No, no, but no. It's no. time travel. They they they. It's it's not throwaway. They show you the scene. Well, they altered time though for right, that yeah. hospital. Uh, I think I think the next one we get to meet Mister Nobody, um, and he's going to be your favorite character. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. You're going to love Mister Nobody because I think my favorite character is Roman. Well, it's Roman, followed by <laughs> the uh, the old cop guy that that like uh, Brian worked with. The uh, oh yeah, and the, you mean the best part of Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. <laughs> this is the guy yeah, like I'm going to eat popcorn and watch these two fight. Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but I don't know, Mr. Nobody's going to give him a run for his money, but we'll we'll get there when we get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are in the rearview mirror where uh, that is where we are going to rate this, and we rate these um, on a scale. From zero to sixty, as in how fast is this car? So the lower the number, the faster the car, the better the movie. So I have mixed thoughts about this um, film. I need, yeah, because this is this whole film is like, like and I get it. Like you're gonna have some elements like this and like these long running franchises like this, but it's like the plot is very soap opera like. Oh no, Michelle Rodriguez is actually alive with amnesia. Had, with amnesia, and she's on the other side, and they gotta get her back. And everybody's gotta team up. And oh no, Giselle died, but it's not that big an idea. We're not gonna talk about it a whole lot. And like oh, and it's, and it's a little. And the so I don't think the plot was great. Uh, there are some some good racing in it, uh, but like it's nothing anywhere near as close as. Good as uh, Fast Five's uh, racing system, which let me just flash back. To, um, oh wow, I give Fast Five a twenty-four second car. I, yep, yeah, I'm I'm running the averages right now because I should have done this before, but uh, and I think I should have really dropped Fast Five, to, like made that a faster car because the way that we rate this is on a ten-second car scale. Ten-second car is fucking amazing, as we know because we all saw the movies and the, the movies are fact. 
And so, but like if it's taking longer than uh, 10 seconds to go a quarter mile, that's how, where we're rating these cars. Right. These uh, movies. And if I gave, like, uh, I should have done, given Fast Five a better score in retrospect compared to this movie where I just feel, well, and well, we, I feel let down. Well, so, but at the time you, you, like, you felt fine about it. So like. And the, I, I don't think this was a strong ending. So. Because like the, the whole runway thing is fine. Like the bridge scene was way better, but this is their final closing bit on the plane, and it's all dark. It's very dark on this runway. It goes on for a great crazy time, mm-hmm. amount, long amount of time. I it just isn't very good. Like that, the, this last quarter was terrible. The bridge scene. High you, you you didn't like this quarter? No, I, I okay. I, like there's there's good parts in there, but like that doesn't. I don't. I see. I really like the plane. Uh, well, and I'll get to that when I give my yeah. review. So I'm gonna my. Uh, do we do we? I want to hear what I'll hear what you say yeah, first, yeah, and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll. Yeah. Uh, so so I ran the averages, um, yeah. and I'll I'll give those before we give our uh, give ours or I, I say I'll I'll do that after I do this. So mm-hmm. fast six. Um, overall, like this is a very very strong entry in the franchise. Um, like overall, I don't think it's the strongest, but it does. Um, it's like what I like is it doesn't have all the setup that all the others had. Like this is we know we know who the fam is, right? So we basically um, they. It's it's very um, like superhero or James Bond esque where you get the mission, you go on the mission, you do the mission, the film is the mission, and there's not a ton of extracurricular, and it's constantly moving. Like this film has a fuckload of momentum, right? There's a few th- there's a few missteps. Um, Brian uh, having to go to uh, go to see Reyes for not Reyes. Um, oh God, what the fuck is his name? Um, uh, from five, the guy in the or prison. from four, from four, um, and like, Braga. Uh, they go go see Braga in the prison. Like that's a misstep, and then like that the, doesn't even pay off at all. Yep, it doesn't. Yeah, and it doesn't mean anything. Uh, the the misstep with the whole Mia thing. Mia should have just been with the with everyone from from go. Yeah. Um, and so like there there are some missteps there, but overall like it's it we're we're moving from set piece to set piece to set piece, and yeah, like some of them are weaker. Uh, the the London chase. That initial London chase, um, I feel like, is a very strong initial initial run. Uh, you have we have like a street race again, which we haven't had for uh, for a minute, and that's fantastic. Uh, we get we get like the Dom Letty race, which is which is really cool. We haven't had one of those yet. Um, then we get uh, then like we have one of the most iconic um, of of the franchise is that tank chase. Oh yeah, like it's it's beautifully shot. It's a really cool. Like high paced, high stakes thing, and then we there's there's very little to no downtime before we're at the we're at the climax the climatic uh, plane chase. We'll agree, like it is it is uh, a little on the dark side, but there's a lot of stuff happening. You can follow the action; it's well shot. I really enjoy it. Um, the stakes are high; like a character dies, that doesn't happen ever. Um, but the problem is, like, it, if a character dies, you want the other characters to feel it. A little bit yes, more. no, that part sucks. So it's a wasted death. It it is it is kind of a wasted death. Like the it, they should have felt it harder. I agree. 
Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. Um, it's I feel like it's a very strong entry in the in the franchise. I don't think it's the greatest, but I do think it's um, they're they're hitting their stride. Like six films in, they're like they're finally figuring out like what the uh, what the formula is, what works, what doesn't. So what is what are your seconds? Uh, well, I think I'm gonna have to give this one. You know, there are some good moments in here. That that tank, that uh, bridge scene, like uh, the tank scene, is fucking uh, one of the best uh, scenes we've had so far. Like not as good, like the not as good as a safe scene, but it's crazy awesome. And they have like everybody doing something on like the tanks. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the it's, safe it's, scene I think, where, I think the it's the most cohesive. Didn't, like, the safe scene, like it, they didn't incorporate everybody into it. Yeah, the the safe scene, like it was still very much just like a Dom and Brian show. Yeah. Um, and then the, like, the tank one was like, it incorporated everybody. everybody. I'm going to give this one 25 seconds. All right. So I gave fast five, um, 18 seconds. Mm-hmm. I think fast six is a better film in some ways, worse in others. Um, like, there's, there's a lot of missteps. I think I'm going to give it 20 seconds. I think I think I feel good with that because it doesn't like it. It's not out. So that that would tie it with uh, Tokyo Drift for me at 20 seconds. And I I, I feel I feel like I don't quite feel comfortable with that, but I feel pretty comfortable with that. <laughs> like I really like the driving in Tokyo Drift. Yeah, no, the driving is crazy. In it. Um, this one is it's the first time they're not going in fucking straight lines. Yes. Um, and. It's it's head and shoulders above too fast. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm gonna go 20 seconds. Tie it with Tokyo Drift because I I don't know I really enjoyed this. Uh, watching it um, again like and more critically, uh, those missteps are pretty glaring. Like and they 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 stumble the film like a lot. Yeah. Like I think if you cut that whole prison scene and had Mia there the entire time. Like yeah, you need something else to give uh, give Shaw some leverage to get out of that sticky situation. But hey, you have the mole, and maybe the mole does something to like get Shaw out and then escapes with him, right? And then now you have a legit reason for revealing the mole instead of like maybe like maybe like uh, Vin Diesel or The Rock gets clocked on the back of the head and then uh, like Shaw escapes. Yeah, like that seems that, that I just feel like that would be better and it would add more urgency and make Shaw a more terrifying villain just frankly yeah because like he was talked up so much and like he ends up not mattering at all so um with these new um with these new ratings and like not count quite counting there because we had a different rating system for the yeah I, I got to go and get that one converted but uh, let's see so this is twenty okay so uh, we are at um, worst to best so far uh, it worst is too fast too furious um, with an average of forty seven and a half seconds <laughs> <laughs> which puts this film in, in, uh, in perspective. Yeah. Uh, Then we have Fast and Furious with an average of 26.5 seconds. Um, Then Tokyo Drift uh, with an average of 24 seconds. Uh, Then Fast 6 with an average of 22.5 seconds. And Fast 5 with 21 as a 21 second car, which uh, like the, the top three 
are like they're very tight. Yeah. Right. I guess 24, 22, 21. Um, and like there's such like ugh, too fast, too furious is so bad. <laughs> it's it's just so bad. But there's so much good stuff in it too. Like there's there's gems there, there's, buried in the turds. <laughs> they're deep in those turds, man. <laughs> just deep in the turds. All right. Well, we'll be we'll be back uh, hopefully next week with the first uh, quarter of Fast Seven. It'll be very exciting. All right. Uh, we have a beer. I suppose we should probably talk about that yeah. now, huh? Whoop. Here you go. Well, uh, well, this is going around and getting poured here. Um, I'll read about it while you're pouring yours, and then while you're talking about it, I can pour mine. We have Night Farmer from Old Nation Brewing. Uh, they are in Michigan. Some uh, Williamston, Michigan. Uh, Night Farmer is Old Nation's ode to malt in all of its nuanced, complex glory. While dark and undoubtedly robust, Night Farmer focuses on layers of flavor in a relatively accessible and smooth iteration of the porter style. Flavors of cacao, coffee, and chocolate fade into molasses, then turbinado sugar, before finally resolving in a roasted, slightly smoky finish. It's the defined strata of these flavors which separates Night Farmer from many other examples of the porter style from its... Uh, from its native England and new home in the U.S. We love this beer and hope you will, too. It's 6.5%, 20 IBUs, um, and has a, uh, has a farmer uh, on a tractor at the nighttime. You can tell it's the nighttime because the tractor's lights are on and it is dark. What kind of farmer can you get done with, like, those puny-ass lights in the, uh, on a tractor? Well, what do you really need to see in the middle of the field, Carlos? The plants. Uh, the, I mean, he's, he's probably, uh, it looks like he's planting. He might be harvesting. I, I think he's planting though. You gotta be able to see stuff though. I'm assuming. Turns out I don't know much about farms. Yeah, I don't either. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so old nation. I, I hadn't heard of this, uh, brewery. Before. We've had, uh, we've had, uh, two beers from them before. We had the M43. Oh, this was this is that company um, and the seventy plus. Uh, one of those was amazing. Yep, and I I think it was the seventy. I can't remember. I no, 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 no. It was the M forty three. Yeah, the M forty three. We like we were excited about the seventy plus, and then we got sad. So this is a. Uh, it's actually strange. This is a straightforward porter, actually, uh, which is uh, kind of nice that this they're not like a. Because uh, like a lot of the times when I'm at a brewery or something, it's like they get, they're doing something special with their porter. It's like. Uh, they're doing something or other, like it's like a chocolate, something not maybe not chocolate port, but they're like they'll have like something going on. But like this is uh, actually a pretty solid porter, I think. Uh, there's something with the there is a, something a little bit off in the taste I'm trying to catch, but yeah, it's a little metallic. We can get that from roast. Um, yeah, getting a little bit of metallicness. I'm getting like some chocolate coffee. Um, hmm. There's something there that I'm just like yeah. I'm, I'm having. I'm having trouble putting my finger on it. Because I mean, it tastes good, but there, yeah, there's something I'm like. It's maybe it's with how like it feels on the on the tongue. Like as like it, it's oh, it has a slickness. There it is. There's some diacetyl. That's what it is. Almost like a buttery popcorn. 
where it has I, like that that like that that almost oiliness on your tongue. Yeah, because I I don't taste like I I luckily I don't if I tasted the the buttery popcorn. That would mean that it'd be, uh, but I, so I don't taste it, but I, I feel like it, the slickness. Yep. Yeah. There's definitely a diastole issue in this beer and which is very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause if it was just drier and it didn't have that, like that slickness, mm-hmm. I think it'd be a way better. It, it's like, that. I mean, it, it's very good, but I think like that would, that would really like just kind of push it up with, um, I guess one of my favorite, uh, what is it? Uh, the, the, the summit Porter. Um, I can't remember what the, what what uh, it's like the great north or nor- great northern porter or something what's it uh yeah great northern it's weird, to, it's weird to describe like a slickness for a beer it's like the beer's on your tongue and then it just slides right off yep yeah yeah it's uh yeah because like it's like almost like an oily compound yeah it, it doesn't stick around with the flavors or anything like that and which is unfortunate yeah it's yeah that's kind of a bummer uh, what what are you gonna give this? Uh, you know, besides the slickness, the, the, the it seems fine. Uh, it, it's nice to have like a regular porter, but like at the same time, like I, I don't know, I'm gonna give this a six. It's it's still drinkable. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you. So if if it didn't have that slickness, this would be an eight eight and a half for me. Um, but with it, it's like I'm not excited to go back for more. You know, yeah. Like it's just kind of like eh. Um, I'm tempted to like just not finish this if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, no, I I get it. Like we had a giant thing of Modelo earlier for food, and like compare and like right? this is well, like, and it, it might be one of those things where I might have to send you on a beer run when we start the news uh, <laughs> <laughs> to go grab some Modellos because I yeah I don't know if I'm gonna be able to finish this, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but yeah, I think I think a a five and a half, five and a half six. Like I think that's about as high as I can go on it. Yeah, that, that uh, diacetyl is, like, uh, unfortunate. It's kind of overwhelming. Such a bummer, because everything else about this beer is so good. Yeah. Like, the aroma. Well, I mean, I get diacetyl on the aroma now, because that's all I can think about. But, <laughs> but yeah, there's just that. All right, well, I'll go grab some other beers while you, huh? Yeah, while Let's... I start the news. The Department of Offense presents News with Casey. <gasps> That's me. All right, we're going to start some news here. A woman who accidentally dropped her cell phone into the hole of an outhouse in a national forest and fell in while trying to retrieve it had to be rescued by firefighters in Washington state. Brennan Fire Department Chief uh, Tim Manley said the woman, who was at the top of Mount Walker in the Olympic National Forest northwest of Seattle, had been using her phone when it fell into the toilet on Tuesday. Uh, Manley said she disassembled the toilet seat and used dog leashes to try to get the phone uh, and eventually used the leashes to tie herself off as she reached for it. The effort failed and she fell into the toilet head first. Uh, They didn't work very well, and in she went, Manley said. Uh, The woman was alone and tried to get out for 10 10 to 15 minutes. Reunited with her phone, she called 911. Responding firefighters passed her blocks to stand on to reach a harness, which they used to pull her out of the vault. The Brennan Fire Department said the woman was uh, said she was uninjured. She was washed down and strongly encouraged to seek medical attention after being exposed to human waste, but uh, she only wanted to leave. I've been doing this 40 years, and that was a first, Manley said. 
So, I uh, got you a little dunk in some human waste. Uh, well, more than a little dunk. So, you know those uh, those park toilets that are just a pit in the ground? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She dropped her phone in. And the then right off that phone. Yeah. Then she used a bunch of dog leashes to try to fish the phone out. And when that didn't work, she used the dog leashes to tie herself so she could reach down and try to get it. And then the dog leashes failed. This is a sad story. I I really hope this is a this is a person doing this out of like a dumbness, not desperation that they need that phone that <laughs> they badly. They need that phone that badly. You know, honestly, I don't think um I don't think there's any any way I would need a phone that badly after that. Like that phone's just gone. I have I have had that like that fear though. Yeah. Like sitting on a pit toilet and being like, what if I just accidentally drop my phone in? Yeah. No. Like people have died in those things. Oh yeah. Well, because I mean, there's the methane buildup and all that. Like they're they're dangerous. Yeah. Like you don't you don't go in. Yeah. Like you you don't go into the poop. Why'd she have so many leashes? That's another really good question. And was she uh, like, like, where did she like? Did she go back home and like get a bunch of leashes for this? I don't. I, she must have just had them. <laughs> uh, more than two hundred Texas Department uh, of Safety uh, state troopers uh, will need to slim down by the end of the year or face disciplinary actions by the state agency according to a report by the Dallas Morning News. Documents obtained by the newspaper reveal men with a waist size over 40 inches and women over 35 inches will have to track and share weight loss efforts. Officers who fail to trim down by December can be denied promotions, overtime, or even be removed from the law enforcement agency. I feel like... I mean, so there's a there's a physical in order to join. Yeah. Right, that you have to pass. I feel like you have to be, like, you should have to, like, maintain that level of fitness while you're doing the job, right? Yeah, you would you would think so. Like, at, at a scaled level for, uh, like, for age, obviously, and stuff, but like, that doesn't seem too crazy to me. Like, there should be a certain level of fitness that, like, because like, officers have, like, a, a stressful, like, environment also. So, like, if, they, if all the officers had to stay, keep a certain level of fitness, that's going to do wonders for the the damage that stress can wreak to the body. Yeah. Also, I have I have a really good idea on how to keep them all uh fit. They can only use Fred Flintstone cars. Oh, I I was uh, going to say uh, put some put a stick on with a donut car. at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Fred Flintstone cars too. Could... <laughs> yeah, you never have to worry about getting a speeding ticket because they'd never be able to catch you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, YouTuber uh, Trevor Jacobs' private uh, pilot license has been revoked after the FAA determined he purposely uh, crashed his plane in California in, uh, last fall. I don't know. Did you see this uh, story at all? Okay. Uh, the FAA is demanding that Jacob immediately surrender his certificate and any other certificates he holds following the November incident, which had been posted to his YouTube channel. The clip, I crashed my plane, has amassed more than 1.7 million views since being posted in December. The FAA said Jacob was the sole pilot of the plane uh, that took off from Lompoc, California on November 24th. During the flight, Jacob jumped out of the plane while wearing a sport parachute backpack, um, causing the plane to crash in the Los Padres uh, National Forest in California. The FAA determined uh, Jacob operated this flight purposefully to cause uh, the plane to crash uh, due to several factors, including putting on the parachute and attaching multiple cameras to the plane prior to flight and then jumping out of the plane with a selfie stick. 
The FAA also uh, said Jacob made no attempt to contact uh, air traffic control or restart the engine prior to jumping. He also made no attempt to look for areas to land safely, even though there were multiple areas within gliding range where he could have made a safe landing. After landing, the FAA uh, said Jacob recovered and disposed of the wreckage of the plane. As a result, the YouTuber, with over 133,000 subscribers, violated FAA regulations, um, which state that no person may operate an aircraft in a careless or reckless manner uh, so as to endanger the life or property of another. Jacob could face a penalty of more than $1,600 for each day he fails to surrender his license. Uh, Jacob will not be allowed to apply for new certificates uh, for a year. Uh, per FAA regulations. So other, um, so I watched this video uh, back in January uh, when it was like, when it was making the rounds on Reddit. And it's, it's so obvious that he staged the entire thing. Um, and a lot of people like thought that he staged it to the point where like he had another pilot hiding in the thing or whatever, but he actually like let his plane crash. So basically he, he had just enough fuel to do like uh, like a 30 or 40 minute flight, um, ran it to empty, so the engine shut off, and then bailed, and like just let it crash, and then he went and got the plane. He did it for the likes, saying like, oh, my plane crashed, this is a, a horrible thing that's happening to me. That's so dumb. So dumb, extremely dangerous, and so, so dumb. Fucking YouTubers, man. Yeah, he. Uh, it's a good thing he didn't get to keep his license. Well, the thing is, like, he can. He, like, it's he, only. It's only for a year, though. Only for. A, is he facing any fines for this? Um, the article didn't say, uh, but he he will be fine. Every day he does not turn over his um, license. Uh, there's another fine. Or he's fined sixteen hundred dollars. Because, like, also. He uh he crashed uh into the middle of a forest. Like, is it a national forest? Um, was it national or was it state? Uh, national. Yeah. So that's a federal crime. Yeah, because like even if like he, he drained a bunch of the fuel, like that's still a fire risk, a yep. fire hazard. Yeah, it's so fucking dumb. All right. Last story for the day. Uh, I think you're gonna love this one. I personally, uh, I watched the video and my god. Um, it's super gay, like in the most literal sense of the word. Um, so some Twitter users have mocked the homoerotic nature of a trailer for Tucker Carlson's upcoming documentary about testosterone levels in men. <laughs> the teaser trailer for an episode in a new season of Tucker Carlson originals called The End of Men features plenty of shots of shirtless, muscly men. They are seen wrestling, chopping wood, firing guns, all shirtless, by the way. Every single one of these shots, shirt, shirtless. And at one point, a naked man is captured standing with his arms outstretched while his genitals look like they're being charged at what some are calling a Tesla charging, charging station. So this shot is this guy standing on a hill completely naked, and there's this, like, metal thing, like, in front of his junk that's glowing and, like, illuminating his pubic region. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, man. Uh, I promise you are not prepared for Tucker's latest montage. Uh, Nikki McCann Ramirez uh, wrote alongside of the clip in a tweet that has been viewed more than four million times. Uh, Once society collapses, then you're in hard times. A man with a British accent says in the voiceover, <laughs> well, hard iron sharpens iron, as they say. Those hard times inevitably produce men who are tough, men who are resourceful, men who are strong enough to survive. They go on to reestablish order, and so the cycle begins again. 
the trailer prompt uh, that's the voiceover for the trailer. Um, the, uh, the trailer prompted a flood of responses, while some expressing shock that it was not satire, others suggesting it could serve as an ad for gay, the gay dating app Grinder. Uh, it's it's incredibly gay. <laughs> like it's, I mean, it it's it, it's I think as gay as you can get without without gay sex. Like it was, <laughs> but like the announcer was saying, like hard on hard. <laughs> Iron sharpens iron. <laughs> like if, if Tucker Carlson's gay, that's fine. Uh, that's like he has a lot of things about him that are terrible. And that is, would not be one of them. Is he is he the one actually pushing the gay agenda? <laughs> <laughs> the one that he keeps warning us about. That's <laughs> that's just wild that that was what they went with. <laughs> it's. I feel like somebody's having fun. It's like, well, it's all like part part of me wants to pause this just so you can watch it quick, and you could be like, Jesus Christ! This feels like something that uh, that somebody like the people on the project like weren't excited about. Like they're getting paid for it, but like this is they're, they're like this is so dumb. But like we gotta put the trailer together for this, right? So let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what happened. I, I, it has to be something like that. All right. So uh, this kind of brings us to our discussion topic for today. Um, so Carlos and I were uh, out at lunch, and there was a there was a man sitting at the bar who was uh, talking about um, all of the conspiracies. Zelensky, the child trafficker, was uh, one of them. Yep. Uh, how uh, the United Nations and... Uh, was it the United Nations, the trade unions? Um, uh, he he had a list of like I think he was on a first date or something, because like he was trying to impress this this woman with all of his facts. <laughs> they were not facts. No. Um, but yeah, it's uh yeah eh, oh man um so but we uh we actually uncovered our own conspiracy theory. Um, while we were, uh, while we were having uh, lunch. Yeah. Cause see what we're doing, going to do here and we're going to create our own conspiracy theory. And then our echo chamber is going to make us believe it. And you are going to believe it too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's also fact. It's going to be fact by the end of the show. That's yes. for sure. And the organization in question, uh, actually we should probably actually get the, uh, did you, uh, I, I scholastic. It's just Scholastic, I believe. All right. Yes, the company Scholastic. Yeah. So the one, the one that brings books to our impressionable youth sells them. Apparently, they now have vending machines as well. I was talking with Thomas. Uh, they still do the Scholastic Book Fair in person and have now Scholastic vending machines. Oh man. Yes. So this is an organization that uh, was established in. An independent organization of the government, or so they would have you believe. Yes. Uh, oh, there we go. Scholastic Corporation. Um, about. They were founded in... God damn it. Why is this so hard to find? Okay, here's the Wikipedia. No, nope, that's it. Okay. The CEO has been there since... Oh, there we... Uh, no. Uh, how has he been there since 1975? They were founded in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're already on to We're already on to something The records don't make, make All right. sense Scholastic Incorporated Founded 1981 Or was it? CEO Richard Robinson What's Richard's real first name? Dick <laughs> Yep <laughs> 
So you might be, no, you're familiar with uh, the term bookworm, somebody who is really into book, like, like they love to read books. But what if I told you that it also is a way of them, bookworms is what they plant in all the books that Scholastic releases. And this isn't a physical worm or a bug. They're a mind virus. As you read these books, this virus will implant itself in your mind. You all are familiar and all right, so let's 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 go back to more serious. There's here. only one way. Well, no, we 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 have to start at the beginning. All right. All right. So, um, you're familiar with the story of the Tower of Babel, right? Um, from the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Right, where um, humans wanted to uh, commune directly with God and thought they should be on equal footing and built this giant tower to reach the heavens, and they got God so- wanted to drink his martinis in peace, and and they got they got close enough where um, God uh, cursed them. Well, what actually happened, and this is this is real documented. Uh, it's it's across uh, many ancient cultures. They all have a very similar story because at one point there was a unit unified globalist language. And what happened was um, there was a group of Sumerians and they created a mind virus because at the low level, there are certain things that um, can uh, directly affect your, your brain and the linguistic centers and affect how you read things. And because of that mind virus, and it, listener- it, it forced. And our listeners may be wondering like, how like how did the Sumerians create a mind virus back then? Like sure, like nowadays it takes the power of the government behind you in order for for a project like this well, to I mean, create the, a mind but virus. The, the the Sumerians had the strongest government at. They the, summarized it. They summarized the virus. You know, you're making fun of something that's very serious right now. I am being serious. So where do you think summarized came from? It, uh, did, well, I mean, I was came getting from the Sumerians. That, you know, yeah. So yeah, so uh, the Sumerians created the first summaries, yeah. and uh, summaries are just um, they're they're just uh, small ways of uh, pushing a lot of information in shorthand, right? Yeah, very um, related to and it, this. So this this is this is what caused like the early collapse of human civilization, where we had these incredible majestic cities and this global economy, but it w- we were we were uh, cut down and the back to hunter gather without shirts, just lifting weights and shocking. Genitals. Again, you're not you're 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 not taking this seriously enough. All right, so now we fast forward. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of years, and but not that many thousand years because you know, like uh, the world was only created five thousand years ago. Oh, that's a lie. That was that was pushed by the Sumerians. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everybody knows that the Earth is older than six thousand years. That's a Sumerian. That's that's Sumerian propaganda right there. I was not aware of that. Yeah. So all right. So we are we are now like flash forward. It's 1981, right? Ronald Reagan has just been elected president. I think. Sure. Yeah, it was the 80s. <laughs> yeah, you look that up, Greg. Quick look up. Yeah, yeah. Literally 1981. Yeah. 1981. Ronald Reagan just elected president. Nancy Reagan is trying to push an education initiative through our schools. Yeah. They bring in this new company, Sumerian Industries, or better known, Scholastic Incorporated. So they changed their name. They did. To try to hide. 
Yep. Yeah. So um, throughout the you and you can go back. Um, there are like um, I know the Vatican has vaults of information. Um, the, the libraries at Alexandra, uh, they, they recorded this as well. Uh, you, you can go back and you can find records of the Knights Templar. Um, one of their main goals was to eradicate uh, s- summaries. So one of, the, one of the interesting thing, though, is like the Sumerians actually tried to cover their tracks because they burned down the Alexandrian library. They sure did. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we go we go back. Um, and now the like the, the Sumerians... Uh, now, as the Scholastic <laughs> Incorporated um, are able to, uh, they they use this initiative to create book fairs and um, and specific children's books with hidden information. Like, because like, so you might be like a lot of people might if you think back, like all these books that you're that you were being exposed to as a child from the Scholastic book ch- fairs had Scholastic. On the label. Yep. That because like if you bought the book and it wasn't the Scholastic version, it didn't have the the virus. Well, the so bo- the did not have the bookworm. Well, so why why target children? Right. That's the question you're asking. Well, neurolinguistic programming is proven to work better on young minds, and they're more susceptible. And we're not talking about just the words and stuff like that because you have to remember. Language just isn't written. It can also be pictogra- pictographic. Now you so so it's interesting that you brought that up. Now you rem- now you remember the the, the books that the some of the books that available include the eye puzzles, the one where like your eyes you're looking at the image and then it becomes three D. That's exactly what we're talking about here. No, uh, that's um, that's that's exactly what we're talking about. Anybody who is able to see a three D image. In one of those, they are they were being linguistically programmed. There are there are special people out there who are um, who, who are able to resist it. I'm one of them. I've never been able to see uh, one of the <laughs> one of one of the uh, one of the hidden messages, as it were. Um, there are certain supplements which we'll get to later on that you that, that we actually sell that help you get over it as well. Yes. Um, but you also have so the Scholastic uh, Incorporated. Not only are they they're taking existing books, right, which seems innoc- innocuous enough, and they're adding uh, their own um, linguistic programming into them or their own summaries into them. But they also have their own books that are pure linguistic programming or pure summaries, if you will. Um, the Magic School Bus series, pure linguistic programming. Miss Frizzle is actually an avatar of a Sumerian goddess. Well, and that's not just that. You remember Miss Frizzle had red hair. Now, what does that symbolize? Communism. She was all into communism. Yep. You remember Arnold? She was, he was just the second command of the communist army in you know, the magic school. Well, I and mean, everybody knows that the most famous um, Sumerian priest of the 20th century was Lenin. Yeah. And, you know, he, uh, it's not confirmed that he died. No, actually. But we're not going to get in that in this program. Well, I mean, and there's, there's really very little, um, there's very little proof that, uh, Lenin and Rasputin were actually different people. Very little proof. (laughs) Are you okay? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, 
but like, what are they doing with this bookworm that they're exposing to the youths for decades now? Well, so it, it started um, in the 80s, right? So 81. Um, when was the first time we heard the term AIDS? 1985, four years after uh, the Scholastic Initiative started. Mm -hmm. Why? Because with the Sumerian programming, uh, or the bookworms, you now see the pushing of the gay agenda. And that's why, and Ron Reagan, at, he saw it was too late. He had messed up. So that's why messed he up. was so against helping anybody with AIDS. Yep. Why, why have we worked so hard to cut the uh, education funding? Because it's, it's now corrupted from... From the bottom up. And now you have you have things like the liberal agenda, the gay agenda, the alphabet mafia. They are all stemming from these scholastic book clubs. And we'll get to the alphabet uh, mafia. Don't you guys worry. That'll be a future episode. We, uh, it's, it's taking us a while to get the – to get, we're, we're researching it right now. Yep. It's going to be a two-part series. And we, we are re recording this from an undisclosed location because they know that we're on to them. Yeah. So, but what, but, but what can you do if you're worried that you were exposed to this though? Because our sponsor, Manpaste, well, they're exactly what you need. Now, I take Manpaste every day. I get a big jar of it. It says Manpaste on the logo. I get the Manpaste XL version. Do you do you, do you have a uh, preferred uh, flavor of Manpaste that you get? I get I get XL, all the way. Oh, you get XL? Yeah. I get um. I get horse. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> which I mean, they can't tell you it's made with the with real horse. It, it's made with uh, with real uh, horse testosterone. Yeah, but they can't say that on the label. Yeah, but it is. It I mean, is. But um, yeah. So uh, man pace helps. Uh, the other thing you can do uh, is you actually um, in order to counter. Um, uh, Sumerian well, summaries. Well, well, but so make sure you go buy Man Paste from Man Corporation and the uh, using promo code Scholastic. Exactly, exactly. You got to because you're going to help support us. You're going to feel better. Yep. We're going to feel better. Oh, that's uh, that's you help spread S the word. K O <laughs> L A S T I K I I K. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. What can you? All right. The other thing uh, you can do is uh, we have uh, we have developed, um, and by we I mean um, like our side, the um, and our scientists, our, our scientists have have developed um, counter programming to uh, the Sumerian uh, bookworms, um, and uh, it's we've actually been uh, disseminating throughout our networks, um, Fox News. Um, uh, the Alex Jones show. Uh, Joe Rogan is actually um, he he has been um, distributing the uh, the cure for uh, bookworms. Yeah, he's been like, he's a big provider of uh, man paste. He's one of the one of our many distributors. Yeah. Uh, so honestly, just like if 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 you have um, woken up and are no longer a sheep, you are probably safe from. Bookworms. Also, things that you can but do. Not, but it's not um, but go it's through. Go through your. Go through your child's uh, stuff. Go th go through their. Go through their books. Go through. Um, 
their like all of their work, anything that has the Scholastic logo on it contains bookworms and they need to like they they need to be destroyed properly destroyed though you have to be careful with these do not read them do not look at the photos they need to be destroyed they need to be burned but within a you can't burn it on the open uh because you then you start you're going to be in danger of inhaling it yep oh yeah uh they can be inhaled um, also go, also, go to your, go to your local also, uh, school if, board. But if uh, also if you're awake, meetings. if you're aware of, of the situation, like you, and you finally, you've awoken and you're aware that, that you were exposed to this in the past, you're actually not safe. Go to your local school board meetings, demand that scholastic book fairs are canceled, remove, uh, scholastic vending machines. Um, new, uh, if you start getting, having doubts about this, yep. about scholastic this? cartoons, uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, um, all of the animated, um, magic school bus, all of those, they need to be stopped. Uh, you need to have them stop being shown in school. Do you know, the, like you're, you're aware, like, but our listeners may not be, but I'm going to phrase it as if you weren't aware. Do you know what the biggest risk, like the biggest like example of like that you are suffering from the bookworm? Doubt. Doubt that it exists. That's the first, that's what the Sumerians worked on way back in the day. Yep. And it has been streamlined. Well, the Bible warns about it. Yeah. Um, if you, they if you. specifically mention it. If you, if you, uh, yeah. Um, Doubting Thomas. He was he was affected by a by by a Sumerian uh, neurologistic programming, and Jesus called him out and was able to bring him back. And if Thomas suffered from it way back then, it's a lot stronger these days. Yes. So you're going to so if you start having doubts about this, or maybe you're hearing this right now, you're hearing this from us, and you're doubting it hard. That just means that you are suffering from it. So we get some man pace today. And look up photos of uh, Richard Robinson. Um, He, it says he was born in 1937. The man does not look a day over 40. Why? Children's blood. Did you know Richard Robinson? Best friends with Epstein. Just saying. Just saying. Did he, did he create, um... The Scholastic Initiative to diddle kids. I'm not saying he did. I'm not saying he didn't. Yeah. These are just questions that we have to ask. You're right. But uh, we'll, we'll get into the Alphabet Mafia, though, uh, next episode. Yeah, that'll be, sure. that'll be next. Jesus Christ, Carlos, for, <laughs> for just a second, man. Can I, can I, like, I'm going to break this whole character thing because, man, it would be so easy to turn into a far-right news show. Oh, yeah. Like, and not believe a single fucking word of it. Oh, no, because, like, uh, well, y- you say that, but the problem is, like, I think that some of these people who do these conspiracy shows. They, they talk they themselves it, into it? They, they, they do it long enough that they start believing it. Oh, also, uh, Richard Robinson died uh, in 2021 at the age of 84. Uh, sorry, uh, Richard Robinson, like, you did not, like, do this whole thing. Uh, you did not, like, uh, found the... Uh, oh, actually, it was founded by his father, Maurice, um, the Scholastic uh, Publishing Company. But since when have uh, conspiracy theorists cared about what actually the facts? I'm just... I, I know, I know, but, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Also... I think we did a pretty good job. Yeah. Like the Sumerian angle, like I just stole that from Snow Crash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash, if you haven't read it, is fantastic um, and dives into it's it literally is all about neurolinguistic uh, viruses. And uh, the snow crash virus basically crashes a person's brain and makes them into a mindless drone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a really good read. So that was fun and scary. <laughs> I'm a little scared, man. Yeah, it's it was like it was pretty easy. Like we could have easily had a conspiracy. We could do a conspiracy show pretty easily and probably make some money off of it. I don't wanna. <laughs> I feel a little dirty. Do you feel a little dirty? Because I feel a little, a little bit. dirty. <laughs> But if we had some money coming in from that, that I think that I feel I'd feel, I'd feel a little dirty. less dirty, <laughs> <laughs> which makes me feel dirtier. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Let's get out of here. I need a shower. So if you guys are looking for an echo chamber, where can they find it, Casey? <laughs> well, you can find us. Or well, or you can choose an email at feedback at blindnessstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnessstudios. Or follow us on Instagram at blindnessstudios. And I'll see you guys next week. Also, please don't believe any of the words that we just said because those are terrible. And uh, like, I mean, at least in that last segment, like everything else we said was truthful, at least to the most of our ability, especially our views on uh, Fast and the Furious and how amazing it is. And also buy Man Paste. Not a real product. (laughs) 